When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today on Barca Talk, injuries are chipping away at our central defense, and sporting director Pep Segura gave an interview, but little insight into the workings of the club. We have your comments on the state of Arturo Vidal, the progress of Barca B, and commentary on the women's team. With a game in La Liga against Sevilla coming up, we revisit Barcelona's 5-0 defeat over Sevilla in the Copa del Rey final last year. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me as always from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. What's going on in Buffalo? Don't ask. You don't want to know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not much. Not much. Is almost always the answer. What's going on in (laughs) Buffalo? (laughs) No, it's, uh, it's, everything's fine here. You know, we're, we're getting into the, we're getting into fall. And so, you know, the outdoor seating, and I'm sure you this happens at times in Madrid, right? But, of course, you're in Spain, so it's never too bad. But, you know, the outdoor seating at the restaurants goes away. They close up all the windows. Everything goes a little bit more inside. People are staying in more. The upside of that is uh, I have another job where I deliver food. So business is good on that end. So <laughs> my, my food delivery freelancing is going really well at the moment well that's good that's good well it's been quiet here everyone left for the long weekend here we had the national day of spain on friday yesterday Uh, um and so yeah so it's very quiet here we're starting to get into some colder weather which is kind of actually nice but it's been very slow as in sports wise uh except for a couple issues that we're going to talk about but uh, against uh spain looking really good the other night against wales again your boy paco I mean, I, I know I know that this is just a lightning in a bottle situation. I get that. But at the same time, I know that he will taper off, right? I mean, that's just the eventual thing that's going to happen. But I know just by watching the way he's playing and the confidence that he's having, you can just see he could have brought something for us as a backup player. And the other thing, too, I saw, I know we're not going to really talk about that much, but I saw that uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund are going to buy his contract out. So they that are? Is, that is, uh, yeah, that's what I read. So he's definitely yeah. out for us. Correct, correct. Well, he's like like we said, you know, he's playing more, so he's happier. He wasn't playing at Barcelona, so Barcelona is happier. It's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's still a, a mystery as to why we, we yeah. wouldn't just play him more, but because <laughs> yeah. we have Munir. <laughs> yeah, we have we have Munir's we have Munir's right foot. Yeah, <laughs> we can always we can always make plays off of that right foot of his. 
Yeah, it's just like mini golf, right? Where you just ricochet the ball off the corners, you know? <laughs> All right, I'm going to put this corner in off of Munir's head into the goal. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, you won't know what hit him. Yeah, but I mean, again, Spain looking really good. Uh, just another kind of twist to their attack and their tactics. Just would have been nice to see this kind of Spain uh, in the World Cup. I think they would have been a really good opponent for France. But yep, so Lucho is is definitely riding high here in Spain for sure. Yeah, he seems to be working out well. Yeah, and of course, with the international break now, what, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, it turns out there's plenty to talk about because we've suffered many injuries. So all the news this last week really has centered around injuries or injury issues of Barcelona players. So first, do you want to start with the good news or the bad news? Uh, I'm a good news type of person first. Let's, so let's, let's do start the good news. With, yeah, let's start with good news. The good news is that Sergio Roberto... You know, he took a thigh strain against Athletic, missed the Tottenham and Valencia matches. He also missed out on international duty. But the reports are that he's been given the all clear and he could very well play against Sevilla next week. So he's going to be back in action, right? Yeah, according to sport, that is what they are reporting, that he's going to be back. And again, it's going to be a welcome back addition to help stabilize that right side and also hopefully to bring some more balance to that right side of the attack. The balance to the force, right? The balance right. to the force, basically. But uh, it'll be good because at least we'll have some depth there with Tomato, right? But unfortunately, <laughs> we have some bad news, right? Yes, we do have some bad news. Of, I mean, the big one has to be Umtiti, right? The reports that I read say that Umtiti had been feeling pain in his left knee for some time. Uh, stemming from a problem with the cartilage in the knee. And uh, the club have started a treatment to regenerate the cartilage, but they do fear that he'll need surgery, which is the more extreme option. It'll have him out for a long time. If he does undergo surgery, he'll be out until 2019. The doctors at the uh, French Football Federation said that he won't need surgery, but at Barcelona, although they're staying quiet, uh, the reports are that they are fearing that surgery might be necessary. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking more that he will have surgery. You know, that's just how I'm thinking about it. So this is really kind of devast not devastating, but it's very unsettling, right? Because he's had this problem for a while and it looks like it's been a chronic issue, obviously. Um, for as young as he is, you know, this is this sucks, right? Because especially with the World Cup winning this year, we were really excited to see how he was going to develop. But again, it's now our center back position is very, very thin. We just have PK and Linglet, Langlet, and they are not going to get any rest and they can't afford any mistakes and any cards, basically. So uh, especially with, again, <laughs> Mr. Glass getting injured over the week as well. <laughs> <laughs> and he had been doing pretty well as far as injuries go. But yeah, Vermalen had to come out of Belgium's Nations League match with Switzerland. 73rd minute, he pulled up, asked to be taken out. Uh, nothing is confirmed yet. Uh, but if he's out for a long time, we're really only going to be left with two fit center backs for a protracted period, which would be bad. Yeah, exactly. Especially with the matches coming up, right? With the Copa del Rey campaign starting again midweeks. Again, this is just, you know, really bad luck, especially with the injury bug. But also, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to bring up a player from Barca B immediately? Obviously, that's probably the option they're going to have to do. But then um, during the midseason transfer window, we're going to get gouged. <laughs> right, because we're going we're going to be in a market for a center back, and you know from all the reports I've been seeing that we've been looking at the Ajax defender and some other people. Now the, that price is going to go skyrocket. Yeah, because even before this spate of injuries, the club were already intensifying their interest in Matthias Delict, 
the uh, that's the Dutch central defender at Ajax you were just talking about. Apparently, Eric Abidal and Pep Segura were at Allianz Arena to watch him play against Bayern Munich, presumably to see you know how he performs in a higher pressure situation against a better club. And you know, of course, now we need more backup in central defense. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of games between now and January, though. So let's say, sure, we'll get gouged. Uh, we'll pay a lot for Delict if we do get him. But their uh, and their interest is intensifying in him. I think that's probably going to happen in the January window. But until then, you know, we've only got two central defenders, right? We PK and Longley, right? The only option I can see for giving either of them some rest until the January window, assuming that Vermalen is out for a little while, Umtiti's out for a long time, is maybe Jorge Cuenca from the B team. I think he's Barca B's best center back, though he is just 19 years old. Uh, but I could see him maybe in the Rayo Vallecano match, but that's four games away. You know, because after the international break, we have Sevilla, Inter four days later, Real Madrid four days after that, and then a week off before we uh, play Rayo. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what we could do? I have a crazy theory. We could just try to put Vidal back there in center back and make him the new Mascherano. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, he's he has a if similar want... profile to Mascherano. Correct. He if is he taller get... and stronger also. Yeah, and he's a little bit more fiery, I think, on the field. And he'd get man, more minutes. Is... <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll get more minutes. I mean, that's, man, this is a crazy four games coming up, you know? And especially how thin we are. Again, like I said, we just can't afford any cards or injuries, and that puts a, a lot of pressure on those two guys. Hopefully, you know, with um, Sergio Roberto being back there as well, that kind of solidifies the defense a little bit better. But, man, that's going to be very testy, especially against Inter, because Inter's playing really well, even though we're playing them at home. And, of course, it's an important game because whoever gets the points from that is going to be leader of the champions table. Yeah, right. So, obviously, uh, the central defense, that's something that we're going to be having to follow and potentially suffering in the future. Now, this other news item, uh, Pep Segura gave this interview. Uh, he sat down with Sport last week to answer some questions. And they asked him a number of questions. One that I found interesting was what he had to say about Valverde's contract because of how vague it was. It was almost a non-answer. Almost a non-answer. They asked him, have you talked to Valverde about his contract? He answered, I haven't. That is what we have to do. They asked, do you have a plan B? And he simply answered, no. Nice softball questions, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like you said, it's a non-answer. I mean, uh, when I saw this link, I kind of skimmed through it, and I just, you know, it was kind of a waste of a time because, you know, at first, it has the headlines, you know, Pep Segura interview, but then he didn't really say anything, right? So, um, again. And they didn't they're really gonna, press I, him on anything either. Exactly, because they need to keep the the relationship between mm-hmm. Barca and myself, you know? It's like that's the journalistic integrity they have. So, right. <laughs> Like yeah. we talked about in the bonus, like we talked about in the bonus episode, I just think obviously Valverde is going to outlast this season, and then maybe in the summertime they'll have some decision making to depending on what we do this season. But as of now, I, don't, I just don't. It's just not in the Barcelona kind of DNA to just fire managers mid season. That's more of a Real Madrid type of thing, right? Um, I, I can see. I mean, we, it's not that we're opposed to firing managers, but I just think we always kind of normally do it, especially in the last. 12, 15 years, you know, we haven't really fired anyone per se. We just uh, haven't renewed their contract. Right. And I remember uh, Martino, man, that, that bad year oh that gosh. he had. I mean, that was kind of even messed up because the season wasn't even over and they were already announcing that they'd signed Luis Enrique. And yeah. they were trying, I mean, of course, they're trying to like make the fans feel better. Like, yeah, this, this season was, um was a wash. 
just forget this. We already have things going for next season, so get excited about that. Yeah, poor puppet Martino, man. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> uh, that poor guy. He was he was he was uh swinging above his uh batting average for sure when he was <laughs> coach for, <laughs> for Barcelona. <laughs> We'll pick back up with this interview in the next segment, what Segura had to say about Vidal and Malcolm, and what you had to say about Arturo Vidal. We asked one of our listeners, Zach in Cincinnati, what he likes about Barca Talk. The fact that you guys tie in a lot of the Peñas in the U.S. and it almost feels like my own little Kenya that I'm a part of because there isn't a lot of that culture in Cincinnati. You don't really hear about the U.S. side of it a lot. And he's not just a listener, but he is a monthly supporter through Patreon. The reason that I started to do the Patreon was when you guys wanted to send the kids to the Barcelona camp. That was something that I thought was really cool, something that I can get behind. Patreon supporters are the primary source of support for this free podcast. But as a supporter, you get more than just the podcast. I do like having the little sneak preview podcast early in the week. Really, it's just kind of feeling that collective membership of being part of this own little pena. Bonus episodes, commercial-free episodes of the regular podcast, and Barca Talk merchandise. These are the benefits of supporting Barca Talk. Check out the premiums you get with a monthly contribution at Patreon. Just follow the link in the notes for this episode. Arturo Vidal was Paulinho's supposed replacement, but he's seen few minutes, and Valverde has shown less confidence in him than he did Paulinho. So last week, we put the question to you, why do you think Vidal isn't seeing the playing time that Paulinho did last year? And specifically, the way that you decided to phrase it was to call him Nacho Vidal. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why. I don't know if I had nachos on the mind or something, but we, we got a prompt response by someone. I can't remember who it was. It was who Fernando. Was telling me <laughs> Fernando was telling me, do you know that Nacho Vidal is a porn star? <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> we we did not know that, and now we know. Now we know, <laughs> <laughs> and now we know. And so, yeah. So I apologize. I, like I said, we were kind of talking briefly about this. I don't know if I had nachos on the mind, or I just I don't know. I just love calling guys nacho. I don't know why. It's just a thing. <laughs> it's just a thing I have. So it's a nickname that you could give to just anybody. It's not like a, a standard. Well, I, forget, I I can't remember right now. In Spanish, there are people that are really called nacho, and I just can't remember the actual full name for it. Ignacio? There you go. Good job, Ignacio. That's okay, it. that makes sense. So there are people, I have some friends that are called nacho, but I just love saying nacho. I don't know why. <laughs> You're making <laughs> I me just, Brian, I, just, I just love nachos. <laughs> Who doesn't? I know. But we did actually get one uh, response to the uh, the spirit of the question. And this came from Victor in Houston. He's a friend of the show and vice president of the Houston Pena. And he said, timing is everything. With an early injury to Dembele, our winger options were a combination of Delufeu and Denis. Then a movement to a 4-4-2 was a perfect storm for a Paulinho who did not have any other strong competition in the midfield, not to mention he was scoring early in the season. Today, Vidal contends with a healthy Dembele, a return to the 4-3-3, a young star in Arthur, all of which pushes him to play the defend-the-lead player in a match. Unfortunately, when he did start, he was yanked due to a losing scoreline. 
and Perfect Storm against Vidal, just a different time and circumstance between the two. Yeah, so really nicely said, Victor. I would definitely agree with that. You know, just, you know, would Paulinho have gotten all that time if he, wa- if he wasn't scoring early, you know? Or if he had um, more competition in midfield. Or if, yeah, exactly. Or if Vidal was there, you know, maybe he would have used Vidal. I don't know. But again, we as we talked about the 4-3-3, um, it kind of, we don't really want to use Vidal yet, you know, and Valverde hasn't had confidence. And again, it's all about minutes and confidence. You know, as we talked about with Paco, the more minutes you get and the more momentum you get, the better you feel, and the more confident. That's all it's really about. And, and Vidal, unfortunately, has only had about two games where he's played, the Valladolid game and what was the other match? The, the Sevilla match or... I don't remember the Valencia match. Valencia, yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. And um, <laughs> and anyway, so but he was yanked, right? And because he just is uncomfortable, as we've talked about, and he needs more minutes to feel more comfortable in the formation. And that's what's puzzling to me because I want him to get more minutes so he can give Rakitic a break. You know, that's that's the thing. I know you you have to live with maybe the disjointed passing, maybe maybe not as looking as nice on on the video. But it's going to help us in the long term if he gets this out of the way now as opposed to when we actually need him uh, maybe down the season because of injuries and our team can't perform. Right. And as we've said, he might wind up filling in at center back. I mean, I I don't anticipate Valverde doing that. Then again, this is the same guy who put Vermaelen at left back. So anything's possible. Yeah, anything is possible. And that's the thing. I mean, I again, I just I want to see Vidal play more. You know, I want him to see more. And that goes back to the whole thing that Victor said, the defend the lead philosophy, which I can't stand, you know, because that just invites more attacking by the other team to get a late goal on a corner kick or something like that. Again, I just think that Valverde just has to find the, the rotation with these players and just give them the playing time and just ride it out. You know, you're not going to be able to win every game, but at least we're going to be fresh if we use more rotation. But rotation in a clever way, Brian, not right. using Vermaelen as left back as <laughs> right. you highlight. <laughs> well, about Vidal, you know, in that interview with Pep Segura that we were talking about earlier, they asked him about Vidal, and he said, in general, the situation with Vidal is very clear. Firstly, with his protests, it's a clear demonstration that he wants to play for and serve FC Barcelona, contributing to winning everything, as he said when he was presented. The negative part is he doesn't have the delicate touch that professionals should have out of respect for his coach and his teammates. In a club as big as Barca with the great professionals here, Vidal knows he has done wrong, that he lacked respect for his teammates, and I'm sure he will correct that. Uh, spare me, Segura. I mean, really, <laughs> I mean... And, you know, because of that, that was starting to make headlines because he said yeah. that. Even though yeah. I don't think overall it's re- it was really that big of a deal. It was not a big a deal. No. You know? It was not a big deal at Apparently all. Apparently I mean, Pep thought so. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean... It, I don't think he really understands social media either. So I think he's like, what is that? That's that snap, snapgram, that, that face, that face chat, that friend face. Well, what's going on there? You know, like he doesn't, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think he really knows what's going on. I mean, the thing is Vidal is just frustrated and because of his personality, he just voices that. And that's not a bad thing, but at the same time, like he's just upset because he wants to get more playing time. Maybe he was promised, you know, when they brought him over that he was going to be, uh, getting more playing time and being a, a bigger role in the team. And that hasn't happened. So maybe they they tricked him in that or something. I don't know. But that's, you know, I, at the same time, I don't think it's a big deal. Now, if he continues to do that like every week because he's not playing, then I would start to question about it. But this was the one time, you know, he really wants to play. Um, he knows he can bring something to the team, especially in this moment when we need depth. Right. 
Well, speaking of players, uh, new signings especially, who haven't been playing much, let's talk about Malcolm for just a second. And this is, again, I'm picking up on that Segura interview. He didn't say a whole lot. He didn't say nearly as much as he did about Vidal. But uh, when they asked him about what's going on with Malcolm, he just said nothing. he's, He's young. We signed him because he has talent. Now he's not getting minutes. There's no problem with staff or anyone. He will have minutes because the season is long. I mean, could this, this was like the most boring interview of all time, right? This thing probably must have lasted 10 minutes, right? Because every answer is nothing, no, yeah. goodbye, you nothing, know? No, no, <laughs> we need to do this. I mean, as we talked about, like, we want Malcolm to be, to sub Suarez as well as the point man, to give a little bit more, you know, competition up there. But obviously, Valverde ride or dies with Suarez, right? So he is going to run Suarez into the ground. And he, like, we've only seen Munir once, right? And before that, Suarez has played every game. So, again, unfortunately, I, Malcolm isn't getting playing time. I don't know also if it's something about his practicing that Valverde is not liking. But when we saw him in the preseason, we were very excited about the potential he was going to have, about how direct he was, the goals he was scoring. I just don't understand the disconnect between the preseason. You know, we were using all these players, and they were looking good. And then all of a sudden, in training in Barcelona, all of a sudden they can't train anymore, and they're just not performing. I just don't understand that. Yeah, it's it's really confusing. Uh, it's a little bit mystifying as to what's going on, particularly with uh, with Valverde and and a lot of some of his decisions because he has these quality players and he's not using them. We know that he has favorites, but I mean, just look at the schedule. You know, you have yeah. so many games, and you know, you got players dropping you. <laughs> Correct. I Rakitic mean, you know, is next. I'm calling it. Rakitic is yeah, next. Yeah, yeah. And the poor guy played again, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's Man. like, you know, the thing is, remember in the summertime with all the starters not being there, I thought it was going to be a really great opportunity, and it was, right? We got to see some some good flowing football from our tour. We saw them developing, you know, chemistry on there. And I just don't understand how he didn't ride the momentum to use those players now that we need them. I mean, I mean, think about if Malcolm got some starting time and scored maybe one or two goals and maybe, um, you know, Ling Lek getting more t- playing time as well to avoid these injuries, you know? I mean, who knows what could have been happening? We would have been in better form and just more sustainable for the rest of the season, you know? Um, again, I just hate having just the top 11 and just using them for every every single game because it's just physically demanding. Yeah, exactly. Now, I do want to come back to uh, not what Victor was saying, but I just want to say, you know, it's really fitting that Victor would have chimed in on that question because we want to start talking about our FCB camp scholarship fund. This is a fundraising campaign we kicked off last year to send deserving kids to FCB camps in the USA. And we worked with Victor and the Houston Pena to recruit players and raise money to send these kids. And I thought it was a very successful uh, pilot program. We raised enough to send two kids brothers, in fact, to the Houston FCB camp last summer. And we are going to do that again this year, hopefully getting more Pena's involved to send more kids to more camps next summer. Yeah, we're hoping that with the earlier uh, announcement of this fund, we can hopefully get more Pena's involved and obviously send more kids. Remember, I told you, Brian, last year, I was super jealous of the two kids that got to play one week with the FC Barcelona coaches. And on top of that, they got to play with the Champions League him. Yes. So I was <laughs> I was super jealous. Those kids were awesome. They had a great time. We were able to uh, also get them another pair of uniform as well. So it was a really great I, – it was a it was fantastic pilot program, Brian, because uh, we were able to send the two kids with the coordination of the, the Houston Pena as well. Yeah, and this is the uh... – 
our application of the more than a club idea, trying to connect with the Peñas, get them involved. And what we've discovered is that a lot of uh, a lot of the most uh, productive fundraising occurs around the Classicos, mainly the spring Classico. But uh, with with that coming up in uh, late October, the first round, we can uh, we can get this started get this ball rolling a little bit earlier. So we'll get the, the fundraising and a website, the GoFundMe campaign or whatever we decide to use this year. Uh, we'll get that set up probably in time to launch the whole thing with uh, this first Classico, and then hopefully we'll bring it home uh, at the next Classico and see, you know, which Pena's uh, raised, the, raised more and we're able to send more kids, uh, get a little bit of a competition going on between the Pena's for that. That'd be great. And of course, everyone else out there, if you're not connected with a Pena and you're just out there alone, and, and if this show is like your Pena, then you can also give to that and know that you're helping a, some kids somewhere spend a week just playing football, learning from FCB coaches. It's a, it's a great opportunity, and we're, we really enjoy doing it. Barca B claimed their sixth game in a row without defeat in a 3-0 win on the road to Ontinient in the Valencia region. The first goal came in the 10th minute from 19-year-old center forward Rafael Mujica, and Carlos Aleña netted two in the second half, including a penalty. The team have four wins and two draws in the last six matches now, and their third in Segunda B, Group 3 table, trailing the leaders Villarreal B and Hercules by just two points. And we'll hear more about Barca B next week from Max Bluer. Now, we here try to encourage support for all the football sections at Barcelona, and especially the professional and semi-professional teams. But our Barca women's correspondent, Michelle Taylor, is wondering if the club is showing enough support or the right support for the women's team. She filed this report. The Spanish women's Liga Iberdrola took a two-week international break, so there are no game results to talk about this week. Lika Martins was the only Barca player to be in games that were not friendlies, as Holland looked to secure a place in next year's World Cup. Surprisingly, the 2017 Euro winners failed to make it out of group stage during qualifying and played off against Denmark, winning both the home and away games. In November, they'll face Switzerland to determine which country will take the last European berth at the World Cup in France. Usually, Barca Femini contributes around 8 to 10 players to the Spanish team, but in this break, with no important matches or international friendlies arranged, Spanish coach Jorge Vilda surprisingly opted to call together a squad of mostly fringe players into a training session at Las Rosas in Madrid. This meant that only four Barca players went to Madrid after two others pulled out with injuries. It was the lowest number of Barca players in a Spain squad for some years, but there are no complaints as some key players were able to get some rest and Barca coach Sanchez had most of his team together as they practised for important games in the coming weeks, including the Champions League games against Glasgow City. Perhaps some of the biggest news this week came from an article in La Vanguardia. On the pre-season USA tour in which Barca Femini participated, Stanley Black & Decker was announced as the team sponsor for the next three seasons. Sponsorship had been a long time coming, and it was a constant source of amazement to the fans who believed that a team of Barca Femini's calibre should have no issue in finding its own sponsors. When Stanley was revealed as the shirt sponsor, no figures were mentioned for the deal, with the club only saying that it was the biggest sponsorship in history for a women's team. All well and good, but when no numbers are presented, we can only take the club's word for that. The Vanguardia article now reveals that the Stanley sponsorship is worth 3.5 million euros per season for the next three years. This conveniently covers the entire budget for the women's section, which is circa 3 million euros per season. 
Since 2015, the players are full-time professionals, although most continue to study in their spare time as the money they're making is hardly enough to retire upon after their playing days are over. The players' salaries are not known, except for that of Lika Martins, who receives €100,000 per season for the three years that she's contracted to the club. Other than sponsorship, there's very little that can bring in money to the women's game. The purse is less than €25,000 for the legal winners, and the Women's Champions League is only worth 250000 for the winning team. Unlike the French D1 Women's League, which secured a TV rights deal in which all six games are televised each week, there is no such deal for the Spanish League, although Goal, Beaten and local TV stations do televise an average of five of the eight games played each weekend. It's great for Spanish fans to be able to watch these games, but it's a long way until any broadcasting revenue from these games finds a way to the pockets of the teams. But at least it's happening, and hopefully in the near future, televising Spanish women's football will start to turn a profit. With the news of the Stanley sponsorship, I would have expected to see the club ramp up its support of Barca Femini in other ways. By now, I should know better than to expect anything like this. I'll give you three quick examples of how simple it would be to start promoting Barca Femini with very little effort. Example one. Walking into the Comp no shop and visiting the women's section is a depressing lesson in how the club fails its women's football fans. There are two big photos of Lika Martins and Alexia Poteas, the team's golden girls. On the racks are Barca shirts, with Rakuten on the front and Messi on the back. It's not possible to get shirts with standing on the front. They don't exist except for the shirts worn by the team. At least twice each week I get Barca Femini fans on my Twitter account lamenting the fact that they can't buy the proper Barca Femini shirts. For one of the bigger teams in Spain, this is a huge embarrassment in my opinion, given that clubs such as Valencia, Athletic Club, Malaga, Sporting Huelva and Atletia Madrid all sell their women's team shirts and in Valencia's case they offer both the home and away kit. That Barca fails to offer its women's kit is a travesty, especially in this time when we have most foreign interests in the team, with English, Dutch, French, Mexican, Macedonian and Brazilian players in the squad to complement the stars of the Spanish game. What a wasted opportunity to create some extra shirt sales for the fans of Barca women's football. Example 2. I was in Barcelona last month for the Champions League game versus Kazigurt. The club announced that tickets for the match could be picked up at gates 9 and 15. We went to the ticket booth at gate 9. No, sorry, no tickets here. Go to the main ticket office. Off we trekked through the Comp Nou complex. On the way, did we see advertising for that night's Women's Champions League game? Did we see anything that promoted Barca Femini? Did we see people handing out flyers to the thousands of people visiting the museum that day, telling them about the Champions League game happening in the mini study that night? You bet we didn't. A few years ago, when we attended the women's matches at the mini, we were able to rock up to the stadium just before the game and walk right in. It was easy. It was free. Now it's difficult, but still free, as we have to go to the stadium twice, once to pick up tickets and then back again later to attend the game. The club is making it harder for fans to attend Barca Femini games, and they will be even more difficult to attend when all the games are moved out to the new Estadi Johan Cruyff, which is being built at the training grounds way out of town. Anyone making that journey on public transport has to factor for a trip that can take around two hours depending on where in town they're leaving from. Miss the tram and it's a half-hour wait for the next one. I doubt that any Barca board member has ever gone to the club training grounds on public transport. Example 3. On the night of the Gamper game at Comp Nou, the men's team is introduced to the crowd. 
hey, Barca, how about also introducing the women's team? The players are all in town anyway. Most are at the stadium to watch the game. You can't buy that publicity. Yet the club fails to capitalise on a perfect opportunity to further promote the women's team. There are many ways in which Barca has to get better at supporting and promoting its women players. And it's not just about splashing cash. It's also about making the women feel appreciated and considered. In August, the Spanish under-20 team came second at the FIFA Under-20 World Cup in France. With the exception of the Barca players, the rest of the players have been fated by their clubs and big deals made out of their achievements. Some have been presented in the club's home stadiums before the men's games, and others have been met by their club's presidents to be congratulated. The Betis players were congratulated by the Betis men's teams. What do our players get? Well, how many of you saw anything about our FIFA Under-20 World Cup silver medalists? I rest my case, for now. Visca Barca e Forza Barca Femini. That was Michelle Taylor. Follow her Twitter account, at Barca Women, for regular news and information on the Barca women's team. When we return, we look ahead to the upcoming match against Sevilla by looking back at last year's Copa del Rey final. Next weekend, Sevilla will come to the Camp Nou for match day nine in La Liga. We had good success against them in the Spanish Super Cup final, winning 2-1 to one at the start of this year. And thanks to Messi, we got a draw out of their last meeting in La Liga. But today, we want to remember the 5 nothing defeat we handed to Sevilla in last year's Copa del Rey final. This is what Gabriel and I had to say about it back in episode 75. long and far from Coutinho. Track it back is Soria. Coutinho in goal. Suarez! Opens it up for Messi. Back for Iniesta. His goal, Iniesta. Magic! Goal! Goal! Barcelona! Iniesta! It's his farewell party to make it five. Neil Coutinho. Goal! Barcelona! Let's talk about Copa del Rey. This was... I mean, this was beautiful for me. A 5 nothing win over Sevilla at the Wanda on Saturday, the 21st. We were looking to win our fourth consecutive Copa del Rey title. And you know what's funny is I wasn't nervous at all until the squads were lining up in the tunnel. And suddenly when they were, I remembered all the goals we'd allowed all season. The loss to Espanyol earlier in the tournament. The draw with Sevilla just a couple weeks earlier. That was only saved by Messi. And of course, the loss to Roma. Then I got nervous. I was not nervous. Um, I, especially with the lineup that we rolled out and the rest that they got this week, I was feeling pretty confident. And 
you know, from the get-go, I think I was proven right just the way they just looked like they had a, a spring in their step and they just looked really focused right from the onset. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, once they started playing, I felt fine. But just in those moments leading up to the actual kickoff, suddenly I did get a little nervous. Now, also prior to kickoff, the Catalan fans were not swayed by any threats of fines or the authoritarian rhetoric of Javier Tebas. They whistled through the Spanish national anthem. Now, on your broadcast, did it sound loud no. or how did it sound? It they mixed it so that the you could clearly hear the, the anthem and the whistle sounded like they were out there, but they weren't too bad. So on the broadcast here, because it was on the public Spanish television, it was pretty loud. I mean, I, I remember in the in the bar that I was watching, and I couldn't tell if the noise was coming from inside the bar or it was coming from the from the stadium. So that's how loud it was uh, from from my point of view. And also when I was watching the sports show today, uh, obviously it's from a Madrid point of view. They they said that it wasn't as loud as they anticipated. Hmm. So again, um, and also before the match, the police were on strict control to confiscate anything that had uh, pro-Catalonia uh, political messages, either shirts or banners and all this stuff. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So they 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 made people take off their, um, like I, they had video of people with um, shirts and stuff like that. They had to take them off if they wanted to come to the stadium. So, um, okay, yeah, so, so they, only they, if, it was a if you're going into the stadium, like as a security yeah, yeah, yeah. measure. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean outside. Yeah, if you're going into the stadium, you had, it was being confiscated. Right. They, and they also had, you know, they had uh, the police walking around the stadium taking pictures of anyone that was uh, super... Uh, political there and stuff so it was kind of a weird situation going on so uh that's why i do like about the news uh the sports show because they have a lot of behind the scenes video footage that you wouldn't normally see on a highlight show for example so um again as we've talked about before you know tebas and the board of the copa del rey they were trying to limit this um and so depends on who you where you get your news from right you know it's a positive spin for each either side right well, okay, let's talk about the game itself, right? We had a solid lineup. Sillison in goal, Sergi, Umtiti, PK Alba, Busquets, Rakitic, Iniesta, Coutinho, Messi, Suarez. I mean, it's Sillison's tournament, so of course he would be in goal. We knew, he, I knew he would be in goal going in. Of course, you're not going to, you're going to switch out your Copa del Rey keeper. Like, Sillison knows that the Copa del Rey is his job, right? So aside from that, though, it was top 11. So I have, a, I have, I was thinking about this because, you know, we have Sillison as his, his, uh, you know, Copa del Rey's his, his role, right? What if we used more B squad as like the same type of thing? Right. Would you be opposed to that? You know, maybe like next year, let's say going forward, you say like, let's say with our team, you say, okay, Paco, you're always going to play the Copa del Rey. Um, Yuri Mina, you're always going to play the Copa del Rey. It doesn't matter if it's the final, you're, this is your tournament kind of the same thing as we do with the goalkeepers what would you think about i mean that? i think that would be i think there that could be a really positive move and for as far as the overall squad and you might have to actually sacrifice winning the copa del rey but of course and i think that's okay right because that's like real madrid doesn't care about the copa del rey anymore all, all they really care about is the champions league and I, I think that it is not an insignificant tournament, right? I think a lot of people ultimately say, like, well, who really cares about the Copa del Rey? I do. I care about it as a fan. Um, but I, on the other hand, would be willing to sacrifice that trophy. Like, we don't have to win it every year if it creates an opportunity for players to feel like they have a responsibility, they have a role, 
and they know what to prepare for, I think that that's not a bad idea. So I think, for example, like if we took our B squad, you know, the, the squad that we had against Celta, imagine from the beginning of the season, they had been playing together in the Copa del Rey run. Then all of a sudden when they have to be called upon during La Liga or Champions League, they've already had more seasoned minutes. And so obviously they're just going to be more confident. And, you know, you give these players that role, that responsibility, I think they'll be able to step up. And if they lose, they lose. But at least you you go with the squad, right? You ride or die with right. them, you know, and you don't have to do this. And I, I think it would be really cool, you know, and then obviously we can sprinkle in Barca B players as well, right? So that we you know, use the Copa del Rey as the B squad tournament and our Barca B players solely, and we just use that as the focus. And obviously, yeah, we're not going to possibly win every Copa del Rey, but at the same time, we're using that to develop our own team and players for Champions League and La Liga, which ultimately I think are more important. I don't think Copa del Rey is just a throwaway. I think that's a it's a great add-on. Um, but I think we, if we use that model going forward, it will really benefit us in the Champions League run and in La Liga when La Liga is tighter. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and you have a you have a good point there. It's a, I think it's a great idea. And again, it, it, it gives them that responsibility, and it gives them that consistency of having played with each other all year, and they know what they're contributing to the club because it's not insignificant how it would help the 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 whole squad overall so basically i want to run for the board president yeah clearly (laughs) i wonder how that would go (laughs) but now talking about the game itself you know honestly just so many moments and i guess the main thing to really talk about is the goals right i mean 14th minute suarez scores the first goal and you just got to chalk up a key pass for sillison and the cool head on Coutinho. I mean, I don't know what Sevilla's back line were thinking, leaving all that space in behind them and not tracking the ball from Sillison. But the placement also on this pass, this 60-yard pass from Sillison, was great because it was a little out wide, so it didn't go straight to Soria, the goalkeeper for Sevilla. I don't want to say this is one of the best long balls I've ever seen, but it's one of the best long balls I've ever seen. <laughs> the, way, the way it... Again, like you said, it was a 60-yard bomb, perfectly with the right amount of pace, trajectory to get Coutinho the advantage. And the keeper was caught in no man's land, right? He didn't know if he wanted to come out or not. And by that, we had the advantage. And obviously, Coutinho's brilliant pop-up pass to Suarez was just another piece of brilliance because normal humans... (laughs) Would have just would have just passed it right, and would have got blocked. But that's just a, a nice little Brazilian pop up play, man. That that long ball, I watched so many replays on it. It's just a thing of beauty. The way it flies, and obviously watching Sillison celebrate it as well, you could just tell that he had a lot of pride for that pass. But again, I think Sevilla was trying to do what Roma did to us. However, they just don't have the squad, and they just weren't disciplined enough to do that. And obviously. You know, this is when I look at this goal, Brian, how many times did I tell you about the spacing when we're in this 4-4-2 thing, right? Coutinho playing on that right gave us so much space in this match that the defense had to respect it. Now, imagine it. Now, obviously, Coutinho couldn't play in the Champions League. Imagine if we had Dembele in that role. All of a sudden, we have that outlet to give that space. Then all of a sudden, we're just, they can't keep pressing us high because we're just going to keep, you know, giving on the back end. So, Again, Brian, this was finally a good adjustment, having Coutinho on the right side, Iniesta on the left, and that pass was just absolutely brilliant by Silas. Yeah, and I mean, you know, of course, he's our number two keeper, 
but he's the first keeper for the uh, Holland national team. But yeah, it was unexpected a little bit, mainly because, you know, we haven't seen him play a whole lot this year. We don't know him the way that we know Tristegan and what he's capable of. But yeah, that long ball, I, it really made a statement for Sillison, you know, not not necessarily to play more for us, but to just let us know that that he's for real. I was going to say just, you know, from these first 10 minutes of the match, right? You can just see the focus, the freshness that we had. I mean, look, did you see Rakitic and Busquets, the way they were flowing with each other, the passing we had, Alba bombing up the left, right? I mean, we had shots on goal and three shots on goal, I think, in the first 10 minutes. You know, we were on them right away. And to me, that's what just infuriates me because we could have just carbon copied this game plan to the Roma match. All right, now I do want to make a little side note because there's going to be a narrative here. There's going to be a little story, kind of an arc, that runs all the way through more or less to the end of the game, right? So in the 28th minute, Iniesta had a shot. It was a great shot, but it came off the woodwork. It, again, it was in this moment where I started to really feel like, yeah, this is this is it. This is Iniesta's last Copa del Rey match, uh, at least for Barcelona, probably ever uh, as a player. And I was so sad when when it came off the woodwork. But that's going to come back later. Just just stick a pin in that. But then just a few minutes later, Messi gets the goal off a back heel from Alba. And in that moment, I realized, oh, love never dies. Because the Alba-Messi bromance was rekindled a lot this year, earlier on. And like lately, we haven't been seeing, seeing it too much. But there it was again, right? Love never dies. I mean, again, this is all about the chemistry between Iniesta, Alba, and Messi. And Messi being the playmaker, free-floating role that he can cover the middle. And also having Coutinho on the right side to keep the defense separated and spaced out. Again, uh, really unlucky for Navas on this play because he went for the slide tackle. The ball popped over him, essentially. And Alba just quickly thinking and knowing that Messi was going to be crashing through the middle, had a, a, I mean, a back flick passed that was just so impressive, and Messi just hammered it home. Again, just this whole play was just absolutely brilliant. It's just how long they've been playing with each other. They just know the movements. I mean, you watch the play, how Alba darts in, then cuts back out. They've been doing that since 2010, especially. It reminds me of the Italy match final, uh, Spain, where Xavi just laid it up for Alba on that super brilliant pass yeah. where Alba just bombed the play, you know? And it's just like, they just know uh, Alba's speed is so, is so impressive sometimes. And as a defender, I just don't understand how you don't just mark him better because you know he's always going to that byline, essentially. But again, awesome. As soon as they scored that goal, I pretty much knew it was game set Guillermo, for yeah, sure. Yeah, already, because Sevilla had nothing on. I mean, so not only have we scored two goals, we're already up two goals, but we're 30 minutes in and Sevilla have nothing going on. Exactly. And and I also noted, you know, for me, this is obviously the best match we played all season, not only defensively, attacking wise, stylistically wise, we looked closer to what we assume as a Barca style. But for me also, technically, the way they were able to pass in this game and stop the ball with their first touch, I think just because of how fresh we were and focused in this match, I think technically this was our best match of the season as well. And it was just all put together on display. You know, uh, you saw Suarez in this match, how fresh he looked. I mean, he was unstoppable for the first half. I mean, he was making runs. He was physical. They had to foul him. 
And when he's playing like that and you have the spacing, you just can't stop us. We're a runaway freight Yeah, train. and so then in, in the 40th minute, because of that, he got his second goal. And also thanks to this incredible pass where Messi threaded it in between three defenders for Suarez while he had Coutinho open out wide, right? But that's another reason why Messi is so great, right? Kind of like you were saying, you know, a normal human being would just put it out wide for Coutinho, who's totally open. But Messi instead decides to thread it between three defenders for Suarez. I mean, this ball, I mean, the finish was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Suarez's first touch and the way he slotted at the top of the box, amazing. I mean, that's what's going to get the cred. But for me, when I watch this play, the pass that Messi gives him is just spectacular. It bounces. So it's, it kind of throws off the speed a little bit. But again, it goes back to this quote-unquote 4-4-2 system that we've been playing. As you just noted, Coutinho's on the right. So that opens the gap for Suarez to get that pass right through because Suarez did a give-and-go. It was just a great play from from start to finish. And uh, also, um, you know, oh, my God, this 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 turn that Suarez did too, it's just it was just a great goal. And everyone at the bar was just yelling just because it was so impressive. But again, Messi's ball was just unreal. Yeah, unreal. And... Then moving forward in the second half, here it was. So I want to bring that pin out and 52nd minute goal for Iniesta on this beautiful one-two with Messi and a really tricky, kind of a tricky touch to get past Soria for the goal. And I've watched it a few times and I'm not totally sure that I believe this, but is it me? Or did Messi have a good opportunity there to score also? Maybe even a better one. But but no, he, ga- but he gave it I, to Iniesta. I don't know if it was that clear. I mean, I he saw Messi or he saw Iniesta coming through and no one was covering him. So he just took that play. But that pass, it, again, it just goes back to, you know, when you play with someone for so long, you just know where they're going to be and how they're going to run just through practice, through the games, through all these things. And that's, it was just so simple, you know? It just, when you look at the play, of course Iniesta is going to run through. I mean, that's just the, the move that he does. And and Messi already sees it ahead of time and lays a perfect ball. And like you said, uh, like I have here in my notes, Iniesta had a tricky move. You know, like in hockey, it's a deke, right? Where you just take it to the side oh, a little yeah. bit. And, and Iniesta still had a, a tricky finish. And he was able to finish. And it was just, I mean, everyone was just going crazy in the bar because obviously Iniesta's last match, the way he was playing in this match, and obviously the celebration. I mean, the celebration was awesome that everyone came up and and you could just see that, you know, it's going to be a special night for him and it's a special moment for him too. Yeah, and I mean, and not just for the goal, but the way he played throughout the whole match. And, and you're going to you're gonna talk about this, I'm going to talk about this. Um, but yeah, just like his performance in the whole match was incredible. And yeah, I think maybe I was telling some stories in my own head, like I was trying to create this this story where like Messi had a good opportunity, but he actually gave it to Iniesta and like deferred to him. But I think you're right. Actually, it was honestly, it was the better play and it was almost the the more natural play because of their, their chemistry and how long they've been playing together and what, how they know each other and, and all that sort of thing. But in any case, in the 69th minute, uh, they gave a penalty for ball handling Uh, Sevilla. I forget which player it was, you know, handled the ball in the box Coutinho put it away to make it 5 nothing, and this is the biggest margin of victory since in a Copa del Rey final since 1980, and that was when Real Madrid beat their own B team, the Castilla, 
uh, back when that was allowed. That's crazy. But it was cool that Coutinho <laughs> got the goal, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because for me, you can see the 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 future is super bright with Coutinho, right? Like he played on the left, he could play on the right. And I think that's a really amazing flexibility to have as a midfielder, you know? In this match, I mean, he looked so comfortable playing that right side and just bombing that right side. I mean, he's so dangerous with his passing, his speed, his skill. And it was awesome that they let him score that goal. So basically everyone scored that you would want to score in this match. And um, I was watching the sports show today. And, you know, for me, I, I think Sevilla, obviously, after the 2-0, sometimes you're just overmatched in a game like that. And you should have seen they were heading back to Sevilla and they got yelled. They were getting yelled at by their own fans, throwing eggs at them and stuff like that. It's pretty oh, crazy. Um, basically, basically, they're just assuming that Sevilla just gave up. And I don't really see that. I just think that, you know, in this match, we just, like I said, we were a runaway freight train. We just, we look so fresh, so focused. And, you know, our talent just is much better than theirs. And on a neutral site like this, they just they didn't have a chance from the first 10 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the moment that actually highlights both Iniesta and Messi's greatness was actually the trophy ceremony. When Messi told Iniesta to go up alone, to lift the trophy when the, of course the tradition is for both the first and second captains to do it together. And I, I think it was a beautiful moment. I was reading about it in various, uh, you know, websites this morning. Uh, when I was watching at the bar, because I didn't see the message uh, gesture that. So I was a little confused about why he was going by himself. But then when he did, I realized what had happened and it was really awesome because, you know, Iniesta has meant so much to the club uh, brought so many titles, joy to football fans and for him to have this moment, you know, it's a great way to show how important he has been to FC Barcelona. Yeah, and I actually, I have a stat for you. Do you know how many goals Iniesta has scored this entire season, the 17-18 season? One. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> One. Uh, in all competitions, he's scored two. One in La Liga and one in Copa del Rey. And not, not that he is necessarily or has ever been a, a big goal scorer, right? He's been a, an attacking midfielder. He's been more of a playmaker, a setup man. He's for, If you want to judge Iniesta as a midfielder, you know, you want to look for assists generally, right? He's not, he's never been a, a big goal scorer. But again, I just think that I loved that he got that goal in that game. And I get... I get emotional actually the more I think about it. So I don't want to talk about it for too much longer, but uh he's he's just been um he's just been such a big part of what made me a Barcelona fan and he's so great, just brilliant, talented, skilled, inventive. I mean, like he's he's fully appreciated in the footballing world, but he doesn't have the I don't know, the celebrity that yeah. that other people have but uh, honestly he's he's on he's right up there on a par with Messi definitely I mean I just think about when I'm watching these matches you know ever since I have been um you know I would say Ronaldinho uh Rivaldo the first Ronaldo Messi they have these moments where you ooh and ah right obviously because of the way they score those goals more than anything but for me knowing how hard it is to be a midfielder when met when Iniesta does these plays where he does these little moves or these passes I'm I think I own more with him just because I'm so in awe of his talent 
his the way he sees the match and so forth because you know since i've played i just i know i can't do that and it's just awe-inspiring it's so elite you know and so i'm going to really miss watching him with these passing movements the way he was able to lead the team and obviously just the class that he always had yeah oh yeah absolutely that too just the class on that guy um never took a dive well i don't know i don't know about never but (laughs) barely ever took a dive uh and he did get a little uh agitated with the referee in that match and uh took a yellow for it i believe actually uh i was a little surprised by that i don't know what was going on there but but still uh overall i mean he's just such such a an amazing and inspiring and awe-inspiring player and also classy humble and he just wants to play i i mean i we're sort of pre-tributing him, right? There are still La Liga matches to play. He will still play. We're going to see him in a Barcelona jersey at least a few more times this year. Uh, and we will make a, a proper tribute when uh, when the time comes. But I guess I'm sort of pre-tributing him. Uh, he just, he made, I mean, I started watching Barcelona in 2010, right? So he's made the last eight years of my life that much more enjoyable yeah definitely and you know he's just w- one of those once in a lifetime players that came through la masia too so that's even the stronger connection that we all love about him as well Special thanks to Michelle Taylor this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca! Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.